0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lavender Water Podcast. This is your host, Matthew Williams, and today I am being joined by a special guest. She's a good Facebook friend, Facebook acquaintance of mine <laughs> hip hop enthusiast, urban historian, social worker, brand owner, writer, all around creative, and wonderful person to. to to be knowing online give it up for karen garcia
1: Woo! <laughs> thank you for having me thank you thank you for the the wonderful introduction <laughs> i appreciate it
0: well <laughs> uh, thank you for making an appearance uh you you're one of the the special people that i was like man i gotta get get this person on the show to let these right. people know what's going on out
1: here <laughs> right right
0: so I understand that you have a passion for preserving culture where it's being removed, um, celebrating history, celebrating us. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just a wonderful thing to see. Cause it's like, you know, with all the gentrification going around across country, you know, it's really easy to forget the roots of the city. Like, uh, Back in Cincinnati, Ohio, they used to have this mural of four rappers. It was Tupac, Biggie, Jay Z, and Big Pun. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, in Cincinnati, we don't have uh, a popular hip-hop scene. Like, we got plenty rappers, but not right. many that the the world knows by name. So it's like, to me, that that mural meant a lot. And then when they started gentrifying the hood. You know uh it was taken over by the smoke shop uh arabic dudes they got rid of the mural they selling phones and and food at the same place it's crazy
1: yeah actually out here it's kind of opposite right so because i'm from new york like from new york city um obviously like the birthplace of hip-hop well known um for that they kind of use that culture to sell it to people so um, you'll have a bunch of places like where I live, um and Bed Stuy, whatever. A bunch of Biggie murals, like they've always there's always been Biggie murals and things celebrating him because he's like outside of Jay Z, like the most popular rappers to come out of Bed Stuy and Brooklyn in general. Um, mm. So there's a bunch of them that commemorate him, especially like around where he grew up. Um, but also throughout Bushwick and New York City in general, they saw. Culture to kind of like have people come and uh, attract people here. So they've been recently doing it in the Bronx, where obviously like it's VV place of uh, birthplace of hip hop. Um, they'll, they'll, they've been using that culture. If you remember that TV series Get Down, that was not TV, the Netflix series that was on, that was there called The Get Down. Um, around that time, they started like having a lot of art shows with real estate developers. And they really were just basically using that to kind of like bring people over and try to sell the Bronx to the people because I'm pretty sure you know the the common sentiment that the Bronx is probably the most unappealing borough outside of like <laughs> Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you probably see that online and see I probably I've said it and you see other people say it, whatever. Um, it's kind of like a, a common sentiment online. So um, <laughs> they've been they've been using that for years to kind of sell new people to come here like oh yeah it's so hip and artsy like all about new york city is the hip artsy hip-hop um free place the people come here it's like arts it's, art, it's like art and finance and tech at the same time it's like they use the fuck out of the culture here to sell the people and at the same time pricing the people out so it's like a catch-22 because the people who are here that cultivated that culture with nothing that they had it, it, it was born out of nothing you know like out of nothingness um, mm. and the have-nots and shit like that um, you price the fuck out of the people who helped to cultivate that and whose material conditions and living conditions were based on that you price them out and then there's no one here to really preserve that right because because the people who who again who was born out of are being priced out or they've being forced to move upstate down south um more into the Bronx and more up out that way it's like to have a, a, a rush of hipsters come here and take take pictures of our biggie murals or take pictures Murphy marcy projects you see people throwing up the rock and shit like that. that shit is crazy like a long time ago like about 10 years ago white people was not trying to walk by walk past no marcy projects the only white people that was walking past that were the jews Literally. <laughs> literally, the Jews the, the Jews live live on that other side of um of Best Side where it's a bunch of like you know, a bunch of them, it's like a little the little communities there, whatever. So they was the only ones that was walking past and probably a social worker and shit like that. And people who own businesses that around it that were white. But other than that, it wasn't white people voluntarily going there to take pictures in front of Marcy projects, like Marcy projects <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's so wild seeing that because I spent some time around that area because Marcy is also next to two other projects but so it was like think about like a line of projects three three back to back so it was Marcy Tompkins and then Sumner so I I grew up a little bit in the middle between for a few years and my mom and shit like that and mm. it, was, uh, it was it was a gun zone like shootings in the daytime shootings at any time like in front of people didn't really, didn't really matter it's calmed down a bit but it's still it's still wild you know what I'm saying but like to have little pockets like that and to have white people walking past or non black people walking past or people who're not from the area walking past like like people people lost their lives here, people were terrorized growing up here, people people were so poor growing up here and just to see people like living around that because even though a lot of people had to leave and are and price out and stuff like that, it's still here. So it's like it's like living in two different cities in one neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like it's wild. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's it's funny you say it that way cuz I have a friend in San Francisco, California and that's basically how he's describing the gentrification of his neighborhood cuz it's like uh they're gentrifying, you know, everything, but it's like mainly uh the Mission which is like a uh really a big mix of like Latino different communities. You got like Honduran food, El Salvadorian food, you know, Mexican, you know. It's just all the people, you know. And to see white people going up and down, you know, jogging, walking their dogs and stuff. And he's like, it's not the same San Francisco that I grew up with, man. And I'm like, honestly, until I came here, I didn't know San Francisco was gritty.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The Bay, yeah. I didn't know too much about the Bay Area, but the Bay Area was was like that as well. My friend, I have a good friend. She's from San Francisco. She, me and her always go back and forth. My friend Tiffany, shout out to her, Tiffany Ward. Um she always she and I always talk about like you know B- Brooklyn and San Francisco, but yeah the bay area is is is, is a little rough there,
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so I wanna get into uh your your brand make New York grimy again, how did it start um what fuels what fuels you to keep going with it, and where do you wanna see it in the future,
1: okay, so Three good questions. So I can answer them all. <laughs> I will answer them all. Um. So. So it started off as like a joke for me, right? Not not as in like the brand being a joke, but like mm-hmm. it started off as an actual joke for me because like obviously I told you I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Brooklyn all my life. Um. I started seeing like I started seeing like what you call um uh, the neighborhoods changing. I'm like shit we got to make Brooklyn grimy again to get these motherfuckers out of here because they wasn't here. We was going through our shit. Like, they wasn't here for that. Like, right. we had to, like, when we was, like, living in, like, some crazy conditions where it was, like, it was not pretty. No one wanted to come here. So I started, I started off as a joke, whatever. It was a joke that I put on Facebook one time. And people were, just, like, laughing at it. It was, like, word, word. It was a joke. Then around... That was, like, around 2017. When I like, 2016... I think, I think so. Um, time, I, can't, I can't remember. I had like a screenshot of it because I, I felt like it was so funny to have that. Um, so I was like, there's a lot of things. I was in my college, my probably third or fourth year college, right? My mm-hmm. most recent degree. Um, and I was like, what do I want to do? What can I do to have all my passions in one? Like, um, I really love hip hop. I really love history. I really love culture. I really like com- I really like commentating on like politics, local politics and shit like that, and just giving my ratchet two piece to it, whatever, my two cents yeah. to it, excuse me. Um, and I was on a train. And I was thinking like, oh, this joke that I made could literally be like a website name because it's something that's catchy. Um, it it could be polarizing because people hear the name, they think I'm talking about like, oh make the shit dusty and grimy and violent again. Like no. I really was using that to make it a hip hop website. So it was gonna be I started off like really writing about like local New York City hip hop underground. And then I pivoted to like mostly about history. Mm-hmm. Um because I was in a hist- I was in a history program at my school, Mercy College. Um and I was writing about my thesis, which was like how Best Sai and Holler became black. And I was like, this is gonna be my this is gonna be my baby, which is still my baby, you know. Um, and I'm going to actually start writing a lot more about like, you know, New York City history. Because when I first started off, I was writing about certification and hip hop mostly. Um, you could go back, like it's it took me about like my, my third or fourth post to start just writing about history specifically. Um, but I realized like, yo, there's like so much things that happen to black people in New York City. So, because New York City is known as a, as a, as a liberal city, it doesn't have the represent the, the rep the reputation like the South does, where it's like oh, the Bible Belt, um, the Black Delta, like um, the Delta the Delta area, like the Black Belt and stuff like that.
0: Like, like the yeah, that's like, what um, I wanted process- to add real quick was that like mm-hmm. because it's above the Mason Dixon line that everyone's like oh, there was no slaves, it's not racist, right. and it's like those right. places above it are usually the places it went down the most. Right.
1: Right, and we definitely have slavery in New York, you know, like, but it, it, it's, it's never been characterized as, like, a slavery in the South, you know what I'm saying? Like, because of, like, the two kind of, the two different kinds of conditions, people, like, in the South, it was very more rural, and the North was very more industrial, and shit like that, you know? So, yeah. but the Black history in New York City is, like, being kept under wraps, like, it's not really talked about. So, when I was doing my thesis, I was like, damn, like, this shit was kinda of, kinda of, it was fucked up how black people was being treated in just this in this early nineteen hundreds, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. so I was like, I wanna make it my mission to bring the history of New York City, the black history of New York City to the forefront and teach people about things that happened within just the five boroughs alone. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. so I pivoted a lot to history and Ever since then, I've been writing a lot of historical articles, and I still write. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring back like more about commentating on hip hop histories as well through, in New York City because I kind of fell back on writing articles for local artists because I don't really fuck with these niggas like that. Not, not to be disrespectful, but it's just like There's I don't more be liking more how. Going on. Yeah, and also I don't like how I don't, I don't be liking how some of them move. They be acting like. Like, oh, you got to do, like, like you they made it and shit like that. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's some kind of delusion, niggas, you having, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and also, yeah, I feel like there's so much more to it that I like to do more than just, like, writing articles with people and shit like that, like, about their about their EPs and their mixtapes and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of how it started, and I'm still going. Um, I have my moments where I want to give up, and I think a lot of people go through that when, when, when they have a brand and they're creatives and stuff like that. If you're a content creator, you have moments where you probably be like, yo, this shit kinda feels stupid, or it feels like it's not going anywhere. Um, but I've been validated in many things because I have like an organic readership. Um, I've been doing this since twenty seventeen. That's so about five years now. Um, uh, I made five years this year. Um, and I have organic readership, like I average about like fifteen to twenty K. I've been averaging, like, 15, 20K readers a year organically, no paid ads, no paid stuff. So that's pretty good for, like, organic, organic, like, you know, impressions and people actually coming to the site and reading and stuff like that. You know, like, to get 15,000 readerships for, like, history and stuff like that is crazy in a year, in my opinion, because people don't like to read no more. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely one of those people. I n- really, I never liked reading. I liked being read to, so audiobooks saved my life.
1: Yeah, which is the reason why I kind of also realized I should turn this into a podcast. we reading the articles out for people and hitting all kinds of audiences of people because not everyone's a reader, you know? And sometimes my articles be kind of long. I understand that sometimes people don't have the attention span for it. So I started branching out to um recently, like I think sometime last year, to started reading the articles out loud and recording them and having them for people to listen to. Um, I gotta be more consistent with that too. Um, what keeps me going what keeps me going is like knowing that people are reading my articles and um, seeing the seeing the hits that I've been getting and seeing the comments and people sharing my articles. Just recently I had wrote an article, I believe last year, about um, this man named Samuel Brown in Staten Island, and mm. about how him and his wife moved to this. home. They bought this home out there, and there was racist white people out there, obviously trying to get them out. And just lo and behold, on Friday, I get a comment from his um, from his grandson about how mm. the article is pretty accurate. The only thing that was like inaccurate, kind of, was the um, the addresses of where they lived, but it's the the actual The actual narrative was correct. So I was like, oh shit, like stuff like that. I'm like, I'm preserving someone else's family's history by the shit that that I'm doing. I never thought about it like that. My my great grandfather was a historian and he wrote about, you know, like the city that we're from in the Dominican Republic called Barahona. So I have a few articles written about him online. So, and that always gives some kind of gratification. my, My great grandfather was like a great man. So seeing stuff like, seeing that I'm also doing the same thing for other people and stuff like that, that's gratifying, you know, like, it's like a sense of gratification that I'm getting that I'm fulfilling, fulfilling like, what I intend to do with my website, you know? Um, Yeah, I I feel it. Yeah.
0: Puts a smile on myself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So where I see the brand in, like, five years, I'm planning to work on, on a documentary for my thesis, How Harlem and Bedside Became Black. Okay. Um, I want to see that become a thing within two years. I'm giving myself two years to complete that, but I think I could do it underneath two years, maybe a year or a year and a half. Um, I want I want it to be a documentary. It's a topic that I've been passionate about. Um, Harlem and Bedside are two of the biggest African-American neighborhoods in New York City, historically, mm-hmm. and they've always had some kind of like similarities with each other because the people that came from Harlem from the Great Migration moved to Side through the A-Train. So the character, the same character those people that they had in Harlem, they brought they brought the same characters to the neighborhood of Side. So the characters in the neighborhood are pretty similar because of that. Um, So I want my documentary to be done and observed by people and watched and if I to be a docu-series, so be it. If I to be one full documentary, so be it. Um, I, I want to start working on that, which I plan on working on it. I've, I've started my work, but like the actual filming process, I want to start working on that probably sometime this year before the end. Um, what else? I want to see the. the I want to start using some paid ads <laughs> to get the readership even bigger and reach, um, bigger audiences and stuff like that. I want right. to grow the podcast. I want, I want it to be a brand that's known locally. I think it's I think I'm pretty known locally as well. Um, I always get people who, you know, enjoy my work. But I wanted to be a bigger brand and possibly like a company where I could just have all my shit on the one thing and um continue to put out that product and teach people history of New York City and stuff like that and, and comment on culture and comment on all types of stuff like that. It's all about consistency and No, I can see myself doing that within five years, definitely.
0: Well, I can see you fulfilling it. I can see it working for you right now as we speak. Um, Mm I want to tell you, it's very informative for people that are not from New York. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Ohio. So, you know, Mm -hmm. all I got from New York is Grand Theft Auto, rap music, (laughs) comic books. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. in a sense, like, I kind of feel like I'm, like, you know, kind of removed from the city. But it's, like, you know, it's just it's, it's almost my city like it is people that are born there from there, you know. What I'm so, uh, the first time I went, like, 2020, uh, you know, just it's like you've seen it so many times then to really be de- in it. It's like, wow. Right. This is, it's It's real life. Okay. You know, so... I feel the energy, I see the the diversity. Uh I can see how the city is changing cuz I feel incredibly safe, you know, what I'm uh, <laughs> Usually everyone's like I hate New York because I got robbed three times on the same block or so I got <laughs> beat up, I got catcalled, I got, you know, but it's yeah. pandemic so everybody's inside, you know, so I kind of had free mode on the city a little bit. Mhm. But, uh, yeah, I truly appreciate, like, the history and things that I wouldn't guess, you know, happened there uh, because of the, the picture that America paints. Oh, yeah, you know, the, the racism was only in the South. Only the KKK right. was in the South. But, you know, you go to Ohio, which is one state above the Mason-Dixon line, you got uh, Confederate flags, you got sundown towns, you got... Pfft,
1: you got a lot. Yeah, seriously, yeah. And I always be saying, like, low-key New York City has sundown towns. Like, places like Bensonhurst and Howard Beach and pretty sure places in Staten Island where you don't want to be a nigga there at past sundown and shit like that. Like, it's crazy. Like, definitely New York City has hidden its, like, its liberal, his, liberal racism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's so many there, there's so many instances of, like, institutionalized racism, systemic racism, whatever you want to call it here in New York City. But, again, New York City is seen as a diverse, melting pot of places and stuff like that. So because of that, it doesn't have the reputation. But definitely, New York City is definitely, like, has a dark history and a dark past as well, especially in regards to black people throughout the diaspora, whether African-American, Caribbean, African. So definitely, like, there's there's been slave ships that have been found here. Like, we have a few African burial grounds here. One in Manhattan, Ooh. one out here in Best Side, and I'm Best Side. I'm Yeah, we have a few. We have, definitely, New York City has a history. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I just learned uh, Central Park is technically an African American burial ground.
1: Seneca Village. Yes, they pushed. They pushed all the black people from there further 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 uptown so a lot of them also ended up living in Harlem as well and Central Park got built on top of that Mm. it's crazy
0: with that that being said and you just looking at it it's like man (laughs) all of this for recreation and people were thriving here thanks
1: yeah yeah like it's a fucking big-ass park now and a park that I really can't stand either because it's one of those tourist destination parks. Like, oh, come to Central Park. You know, you think about, oh, what do we do in Manhattan as a tourist? You visit Central Park, you visit Times Square, you visit Broadway, you visit all those places like that. It's like they displace black people just for it to be a fucking tourist destination in the, in the future. It's wild.
0: It's the Instagram picture.
1: Right. Seriously. Seriously. And... And it's just wild how, it's just wild how black people are just, it's like the displacement of black people has not been a new phenomenon. Black people were taken from Africa, turned into slaves, um, brought here, having to have double consciousness, brought here brought, to, brought here in America, brought to the Caribbean, brought to other places, um, and had to have this, this double consciousness of like, all right, this is my identity. This is this is what was stripped from me, and then that continuously being a thing for like Black diasporans and um and their you know their identity, um especially Af- especially African American people, right? Because Af- African American people are always the ones being told, oh you don't have culture, oh you don't have this, you don't have that, you know. So a a lot of sense of like confusion around identity and oh I'm black and I'm American, but because I'm black I'm not. I'm not having the same um, American experience as this white person here. You know what I'm saying? So shit like that. And then yeah. constantly being moved. And then the migration, the great migration being moved around, the, going around the country to flee the South and just building enclaves in other places. And this is, this is development of like the development of the culture and stuff like that because of all the conditions that were, you know, that were pre, um, that were put in place for black people here. And, it's a constant movement and the displacement all the time that's happened to black people, whether it's like in modern times or like you know, throughout history. So I think, I think that's, I think that's, that's a very important thing to also think about as well, you know? So we talk about like gentrification, like this is not something that's, being, that's not like new, you know, like, I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, gentrific- it wasn't called gentrification when the fucking African-Americans were moved from Seneca village and, had to, and it has to be moved uptown, town, but they were pushed out. So you see, it's this kind of this kind of this kind of movement has always been a thing for black people, and stuff like that. Definitely, I should write about that. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought about it.
0: <laughs> and like the the craziest thing of it all to me is how you give black people the the littlest, the meagerest amount of anything, right? And then we turn it to mm-hmm. gold. You give us you give us scraps, yes. we give you soul food. You right. Give us You give us displacement and no culture. We create culture, but ironically, they want it when we create something from it.
1: They shame you for it at first. They shame you for it for a minute. The way hip hop was shamed and told it was gonna be a fad and it was a problem in white America. That's why. That's that's why their children was acting up. Um, All types of shit. Oh, hip hop is the reason for um, gun violence and poverty and all type of shit like that. Knowing damn well. That's not true. Um, but once they realized they could profit over it, like hip-hop being the youngest genre to date, just turning 50 years old, they were able to capitalize on that shit so quickly. They they went through the campaign of trying to shit on it and saying this is the reason, this is the problem with black America and blah, 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 to you have a bunch of these white rappers. You have the young lean. You have the... the <laughs> all these people, like, whether you like them or not, they would not be a thing. If it wasn't if 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 it wasn't something for white Americans to capitalize on. a lot of Post Malone was not was not Post is not a hip hop artist in my opinion, but he's always being characterized as hip hop and categorized as hip hop. But that mm-hmm. nigga started off as a folk singer or some, or, or some kind of shit like that, and he was able to come in like it's just wild how it's just wild how they will take literally anything that Black people do, especially actually African, like African Americans specifically because. But here we're talking about here in the US. Like the the culture that here dominates African American culture. African Americans mm-hmm. were the ones that had to deal with the identity the identity double consciousness of being black and American, but also being this knowing that you're African, but you have no ties to that because you don't know where fucking Africa you were from, what tribe you were from, you don't know no languages. So you kinda of like right. divorced from that. Like you know as you, you know that you're African, you know you were African descendant. But you are American. So All the things that black people here in the U.S., African Americans, have to deal with and to continue to make, it's so many, it's not even just hip-hop, it's like so many cultures and so many things because there's different kind of black cultures out throughout the the U.S. too. So it's wild, like taking the scraps and making all these different kind of things, these different kind of cultures and having these people pretty much capitalize off that and shame you for it but then shame you you for it in one instance and making a buck off of it it's just wild seeing it in real time and seeing it happen and as you get older you realize and learn about it and seeing it happen at the moment it's just just something to really like think about
0: Do you remember the era when you would talk to white people and they'll be like oh I don't listen to rap unless it's Eminem
1: Yes Yes (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I remember and
0: that type you, of shit. I remember that. And then you ask, why? Why is Eminem the only rapper you listen to? Like, he's the best one. I was like, what, is he really the best one, no. though? Like, is he really the best one? He's
1: the best one like, for you. He's the best one for you. It's like, in that he's time like,
0: period, it was kind of like you could argue that Eminem was the best rapper. Like, I guess, like, technically, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, years later, it's like he has no hits that survived the times. Nobody's trying to hear that. poorly, so it's like, man, like are people still riding on their bus, or have they died on their hill?
1: I think people have died. I think he has a huge people 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 don't understand like people know people don't realize how big his fan base is and to the to the to the core like what the identity of them people are? There's those are the medical, that's medical, <laughs> the middle American motherfuckers that a Jay Z is not tapping, that a that a <laughs> that a Nas not tapping. Those kind of people, like people who consider greats are not tapping. Like those are the ones that be like, oh, I cannot. Those are the ones that be like, oh, I can't, I can't stand that nigger music. But Eminem, he's the greatest. He's the greatest. He's he's so good. And they have died on that hill. Look at YouTube. Look at comments. They're like, oh, this is the last this is a real hip-hop, or this is real hip-hop. Eminem will put out the worst shit. Eminem will put out Rap God, you see comments like, oh, he's really the greatest. This is this is real hip-hop. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. This shit is garbage. Like, a few weeks ago, I was out in the field. I was working. And when I'm out in the field doing my job, i a social worker. And when I'm out in the field doing my job, I always like to listen to music because that's how I pass my time. I, I, I listen to music to pass time for anything, but especially when I'm out in the field, if I could avoid crackheads focusing me, no disrespect to them. If I could avoid random people focusing me if I could just go about my day and keep my day sane, I listen to music. So I was like I always like to I have this thing where I listen to music and then I mm. sit back and listen to music that came out that I liked a long time ago. And just to hear well to remind myself what I liked about it, what was nostalgic about it, um, the themes of it. And why did i enjoy it so much and has it aged well you know has it aged well um right. so i was like "Bitch, you were know it's talking about 2001 you remember 2001 is your favorite year as your childhood for many reasons the music you enjoyed still Maddie, came out that year um the blueprint came out that year fabulous first album came out that year jada kiss first album came out that year um there's a lot of great music that year um ja rule was at his, ja rules at his height 2001 i think that was his prime year 2001 um because putting on me was out and all that shit like murder inc was like lit during that time mm-hmm. um it was alan iverson still had them damn braids. it was a great year it was a great year for my opinion like it's, it's one of those thousand years of my childhood that i always remember and wwe was still good at the time <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a lot of
1: shit but eminem was like at his peak at that year in my opinion because that's when he dropped martian matters lp right so i like, I remember that being the one of the one of the albums I liked a lot that year because I was young I was like nine years old and he dropped, nine uh, years old he dropped the LP in 2000 it was 2000 okay yeah and the following year I think the following year he was still putting he was still pushing out singles from that album and mm-hmm. um he was still like he he because I remember the way I am came out as a single single I if I remember correctly but he was still he was still riding that album Coattails. So two thousand one it was like Eminem year type shit, you know? The years before that it was, it was like J it was like all about Jay-Z and DMS and shit like that. Yeah, Renegade, yeah, Renegade, Renegade. He was going <laughs> He was still to this day, you know? Um, we can talk about that after. But like I I went back to listen to that album and I'm like, the content is so fucking cringy. Like, it's like hardcore <laughs> and all types of other shit. But the technical skills are there, and it's hard to deny it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I right. would never shit. I would never say Eminem can't rap because if I say that's me being dishonest. Like, he is a very skilled rapper, but his content did not age well. It, it aged poorly. It was just like I'm. I was sitting back and thinking, like, damn. The reason why I liked it so much because it was like Edge Lord, and I was nine years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I was nine years old. I was watching WWE, WWF at the time, and SmackDown and shit like that. Like. This is the kind of like edgy music that I enjoy, um, but it didn't. In my opinion, I could say that album did not age well. Like it was, it, it was just like this cringy, 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 cringy material. And it was like if he Eminem's artistry, in my opinion, is very boosted, very, very boosted. I mm-hmm. think I don't even I don't even think I think he hit his peak very early on his career. I, I could say. People were saying like the Eminem show or encore. One of them is the albums that like was his peak. I think Martian LP might be might have been his peak. I think that would I think that's like the best he could do, and that was yeah. it.
0: <laughs> like I think I it. think Eminem show was a great piece of work, but in comparison to Encore, and I think he really honestly could have left us at the Eminem show, but yeah. uh, he did that little that period of he was gone from Encore up until. Been relapse recovery shits. Oh
1: my god! Oh my god! <laughs> it
0: was like yeah, definitely. Uh, I I do revisit the Marshall Mathers LP a lot. Uh, I feel like there's true emotion in it. Uh, it was it was honest, even though it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, me personally, I always thought Slim Shady LP was like the shittiest. It was just like, bro, if it was up to me with this album, he would never made it. I <laughs> heard you there are no good songs on the Slim Shady LP like there's great rapping but there's no nothing Like, <laughs>
1: and that's a good that's a good way to put it that's a good way to put it it's good rapping but the songs are just not good so Eminem could rap his ass off he could rap that, that, that motherfucker could rap like he could rap if you put him in a room he's gonna rap he's gonna rap the whole entire day and he could freestyle he, he, his skill is there but that it's, it's the content. The content, the songs is just not good in my opinion. Like there's song, when I was when I to Marsha Matters LP, um, I was like, Oh shit, like I I used to fuck with this song heavy, like heavy, like I'm bitch, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> like, this is, is crazy as shit. <laughs> it's cringy as hell, but it's just like okay, I remember I, it's nostalgic for me. I'm like, all right. I could fuck with this. Like, I could listen to this right now. Like I could listen to it, but am I trying to listen to that like frequently? Absolutely not. That's it. Like, <laughs> it was very honest for him, and his. He was being very honest. News, like you know, something a piece that he has to put out. You know, everybody has their 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 life and their their trials and tribulations, and I'm like, I just don't really resonate with this. Like, <laughs> right. That's it. <laughs>
0: but I mean, a blood stain is orange after you wash it three or four times in a tub, but that's normal, ain't it, Norman?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild.
1: <laughs> but then, but then a Jay Z, a Nas, a Jada Kiss, a Fab, a Luke Kim. Those are people that I could listen to growing up, mad people I could I could listen to growing up, and I'm like, okay, this is like soulful. Like, this got kind of like soul to it. Like I'm not really ain't got no kind of soul to it. He white though, so I don't know. But
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: say right. the most soulful Eminem got was that song Drips with Obi Trice on the Eminem show. That was passing right there. That
1: was... Yeah.
0: They're basically talking about catching the STD from the same woman, and it was AIDS.
1: Oh, Lord.
0: <laughs> it was it oh, a wrong concept. I used to listen to this song, like, every day before it was at sixth grade. Like, just Man. I don't know why. Like, every morning. so well, I woke up. I'm like, bro, like, they really talking about it. It's like, it's. I guess for that time, it was, like, the most explicit song, and I just liked it because I bought the CD. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can listen to this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yo, cause like when you're younger, you're more, in my opinion, you're more easy to adapt to, like you know, like shock value. Cause it's like, oh shit, I'm listening to this. I shouldn't really listen to this. It's kind of like a taboo kind of thing to listen to. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's how Eminem was for me. It's more like, oh, this white boy is crazy. My mother's like, oh, this is a crazy white boy. I'm like, yeah, he really is. Like it was <laughs> something. That it was it was an entertainment. You know, like I enjoy like seeing to kind of like it was like an old. Oh, an, an orthodox character in hip hop, like this crazy white nigga, he was poor, he grew up poor, and he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a let me not use that word before I get canceled. Um, he's a wild nigga, like he's a wild nigga, and he has some shit going on with his family, trailer trash type shit, like. So it was like something. It's like getting a because in hip hop people bring different perspectives, and Eminem right. brought a completely different perspective, and he made it adaptable. People because he could rap, it's like oh shit, this is like. You're hearing about the other kind of like life for poor people for a different race and what the fuck they're going through and their dysfunctional shit. Oh, and he, was he was like,
0: playing, oh, he's, man.
1: He's, he was laying there on the table like, this is my life. My mother's a drunk. She's this. My wife is a hoe. She's this. She. <laughs> I got problems with drug addiction. Those type of shit like that. Like, yeah, it's like all type of shit. So it's like a different kind of perspective, and and, it's, and he brings shock value to it. So it was like, damn, this is like okay, okay. So, so I got I'm, it.
0: So it's like. In the sense of how, like Jay Z, you could call him good times. Eminem was the Roseanne show.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> definitely.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we spent a lot of time with uh, with Marshall. Let's get let's get back over to that Jay Z because I'm I'm not leaving until we talk about this blueprint to the C word.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not a classic. <laughs>
0: It's not a it's classic. A, it's a
1: classic. What makes it a, a, all right? It had entirely 20 songs. Entirely <laughs> too many songs. He could have chopped a good ten of those off, and then would have had a super solid album. I feel like a lot of artists. He said it himself too. He said this himself when he was rank, I think it was like around when he dropped Magna Carta. He ranked <clears> his <throat> album from like best to worst. And he was. I think he said Blueprint Two might have been his second worst album. And I think the first one. I think it might have been the first words was I think Kingdom Come, it might have been that, um, and he was talking about it, and he and I was like I agree like I didn't really like the second and third Blueprint installments. I feel like the third one was entirely too pop. It was like I didn't I I like the Forever Young song I couldn't stand it, right. and of Mine couldn't stand it. <laughs> I was just like the lyrics and Partizan Mine were great. But the actual song was like, and then this, this woman singing off key, and she's like, that couldn't do it. Um, on to the next one song, I could not stand it. Forever Young couldn't stand it. I was like, this is just like a little bit, I don't, I'm don't, i not fucking with this. I'm not fucking with it. But he, one thing about Jay-Z, he'll drop a dud, and then he'll redeem the fuck out of himself. Like, yeah. he did Kingdom Come, and I think American Gangster came right after. I'm like, yeah, damn, man. nigga, all you need man, is, man. is to get that bullshit oh out.
0: Because I thought he fell off with Kingdom Come. I was like, oh, he's not my favorite rapper no more. Then here I, you was come. Like,
1: I was like, I was Lord, what the fuck happened? But I think he was just rusty for a minute. I think he was rusty. Because when American <laughs> Gangster came out, I was like, oh, hold on. And I'm like, what happened? Like, how you just go from this to this? Like, I think he was rusty. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, after um, after Blue Prince, Blueprint, after Blueprint 3, we dropped after that. Was it the Watch of Thrones?
0: Uh
1: I yeah, yeah I think, my I line, was, my really uh, fucked up. I
0: the whole <laughs> classic. The thing, uh, uh, I think uh think Blueprint Three was like classic, okay, and then Watch <laughs> was like yeah
1: classic. yeah it was I remember because I remember being like almost done with high school when Blueprint Three dropped and I'm like okay I think I think it's probably my eleventh or twelfth year um and I was just like oh this is kind of like mm, I wasn't really fucking with it. And Blueprint yeah, 2, Blueprint. it has. Let me look at the track list for Blueprint 2, because it definitely has some shit on it. Like, for me to say it's completely whack, I don't think it's a completely whack album. I just don't think it's a classic.
0: Yeah, I, just think I has
1: mean. has got them songs on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can get over that track list.
0: It took me, like, two or three years to, like, fully listen to Blueprint 2. Like, it like definitely sounds kind of like I'm going to skip that, skip that, skip that. That found butt, skip, skip when I finally gave it a chance, it was like, you know what? They had fun with the album. It's different. Uh, to me, It yeah. show range. Like, for the first, for me, it was like one of the first times Jay-Z really went to the storytelling bag for real, for real, for real. You know, yeah. like, he'll, he'll paint a narrative for you on like volume one, Reasonable Doubt, but it's like, Blueprint 2, that song, uh, Meet the Parents, it was like, he didn't I'll write it one. down? Oh, he told a story. The, it's character development, you know what I'm saying? To me, it was like, oh, <laughs> he hip hop today, but then he turned right, turn right around and make a pop song. You know what I'm saying? Cheesy ass pop song that's catchy because he got Pharrell on it, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then he gets super lyrical. Let me get Beanie Siegel and Scarface. Let me before everybody yes. was gutting up Biggie versus. Let me get the Biggie duet song on the intro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like to me like, it was just like it was it was like it it painted the times real well. Like the album, it made me feel like Vibe Magazine is still in circulation. Made me feel like <laughs> you know what I'm saying, people still drinking hypnotic, uh wearing them uh them, them button up club shirts, you know what I'm saying? Like it, oh it smells God. good, it feels good, you know what I'm saying? The the Beyonce uh you know the the song they showed, we're dating. It's our dating song. <laughs> I love that song Bonnie and
1: Clyde, or three Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. Uh, you
0: know, that's when, they, it, it, that's when they formally came out as a couple, like, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a big moment, you know what I'm saying? We was all we all wanted the Maybach, we wanted the you know, the Scooby Doos, you know what I'm saying? I just thought mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it paints the time, it ages very well, the song's still good, you know what I'm saying? And I've, I've because I had to focus on the road, had to let the album play like three times on a road trip. Front to back three times in a row. Like you know what? It's not that bad.
1: <laughs> my one of my favorite Jay-Z songs are on it. Holy baby, I love that fucking song. Um, he was like, that's when he was like really talking his shit. He was like talking his shit really. Um, I just think the second disc got so many damn songs. I think <laughs> I, <laughs> I agree that it definitely shows range. I just think that some of the stuff could be cut down and it definitely could have been, it, it could have been stronger. Um, I think the, I think these songs is kind of corny, like fuck all night is kind of corny. Um,
0: they took me a long time to respect that song, but
1: like, it's kind of corny. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> not nah, like it's but I don't think it's I I don't think it's a trash album. I just think there's some things that I think with every album that's not a classic, there's things about that that makes it not a classic. Like there's obviously points of like things that it diverged and could have been better if they just honed in on this. Like um, Blueprint Two is not a bad follow up to Blueprint one. It's just not on in my opinion, I don't, I don't think it's on par with it. But it's kinda but it's, that's the thing, too. It's kind of also hard to compare things. It's like Renan, he got aromatic, and people always hold him to this kind of stand, this kind of standards, that's unrealistic because he wasn't in the same mind frame when he made that album. He was right. a young-ass nigga when he made that album. He was hungry. And I say he's not hungry on on, on other albums and stuff like that, but it's like when people have their magnum opus and shit like that, people have to realize when it comes to being an, an artist, You be in different mind zones that sometimes my friend you can never capture again, and you and you won't be able to capture again because you're you're growing as a person. Those are experiences that shape that. So I feel like obviously Blueprint with the Blueprint he the Blueprint too, he he's not gonna be able to capture that again because he's he's not the same person, you know. When he made blueprints too as when he made the first Blueprint, so the Nas beef happened, a lot of shit happened. Um, I think this was towards the end of him and Dame's relationship as well. Like around that time um that's 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 another topic um yeah. yeah but i think it's a good album i don't think it's a classic um but jay-z has a lot of strong ass albums on his discography anyway so i don't yeah. think it's one of his worst. i don't i wouldn't really because cons- I, if i was to sit here and think like damn what's what one- i think blueprint three is worse than blueprint two yeah I
0: definitely
1: think blueprint like, two is good like it has it has mad shit on it so I, I was i was shocked when he said that might have been his like his the second worst album, I was like, I don't know if I, if I really agree, agree with that, like, because Blueprint, yeah, Blueprint 3 kind of Because like
0: <laughs> he made it, which is hilarious about it, but it's like, bro, you know Blueprint 3, Kingdom Come, straight doo-doo butter, you know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really don't like Blueprint 3. I'm like, this shit is like, his attempt to really be pop, like, really be mainstream, like, and really cater to <laughs> that. But also, I'm thinking he's also... Dealing with a, be, becoming, like, aging as a rapper and also maturing, but then still trying to be, like, relevant. I thought, one thing about Jay-Z, he's always going to be relevant because he is a ma- – people want to talk about Drake, like, Drake and his, like, being able to adapt to everything. jay is the master of adaptability. He's been able to adapt to all eras. He's been out officially, like, officially, officially since 96. He's been out he, – he was a rapper earlier than that, obviously, but, like, with his mm-hmm. reasonable doubt, he's been able to survive the times and be able to remain relevant. As much as niggas try to shit on him and, be, and these young dudes try to shit on him, like, oh Jay Z is the best, or I gotta listen right, to Gucci Mane. Okay, you listen to your Gucci man, but Gucci is not on par with Jay Z in any aspect. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jay Z is the rapper. Like, you want to talk about when you want to talk about like a, a an elite rapper, an elite rap artist, and Jay is always going to be a t- uh, on top of those, com- those combos. So all these young niggas hating on Jay Z for shit like that, like whatever. None of that, none of that shit you're saying is ever going to like hold a candle. So, like, what Jay-Z has been able to do for how many years? For how, how long he's been in, in, in the fucking game? Like, Jay-Z goddamn in his 50s now. Yeah, was like <laughs> he was
0: 27 when he game.
1: dropped. He was 27 when he dropped um, Reason job if I believe correctly. so
0: around that,
1: yeah. Yeah, run that time. So, Jay-Z has, has an impeccable design like, to match his, like, his credibility and why people hold him up to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest rappers. So, and I always go back and forth because I'm a Jay Z, I'm a super Jay Z fan, a super Nas fan as well. So I always go back and forth. I see the pros and cons of both of them and why people argue for either one of them. So I definitely get it. Um, Jay Z, but Jay Z will always be like master of flow, lyricism, master of and shit like that. Like he's, and he's just, but he's just so cool with it too. That's what made Jay Z Jay Z because like the hustler rap the hustle the the hustle rap and just like his his entire persona that he brings to rap like he's he's not the super animated nigga he's not the super gangster nigga he's just like a cool ass nigga that raps you know what i'm saying so it's like that's what makes jay-z jay-z and yeah that's me blueprint 2 was a good album yeah i just think some tweaks could could have been made to it but other than that yeah but i am still holding it as a classic sorry matthew (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, if
0: we're doing that, then I can't get Blueprint 1 classic because of that Jigga, that nigga song. Oh, please.
1: You know what's funny? You know what's funny? Because on, I have to cut you up, but on Twitter, Good. that's like even the song that people shit on. The song that people shit on is actually one of my favorite songs in the album, and it's Ola... Um, Ola Obito, that song, people think that song is the worst song on the album. I'm like, I actually like this song. Like, I like it.
0: <laughs> he was really flowing on that one. I don't know what they yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. He was like,
1: flowing um, on like that
0: shit. My yeah, nah, motherfuckers let
1: in the post office to get a job, motherfuckers. <laughs> <The> so <song>, stop, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, I didn't I didn't know that people didn't like that, that song. I'm like, this song is actually mad good. Like, I like Jigga that nigga too though, it's cute. I, figured, I I think it's a song I think it's a song for the clubs with the with the women and shit like that when they when they hear the funny, they're like, Oh, Jigga that nigga, like, yeah, that's the one right here. Like, it's one of those I songs. Mean, I it.
0: <laughs> but it wasn't even a thing for it to really hit the club like that, you know. So I guess like maybe locally for new York people, but it's like you play that around. I do not you
1: know. Well. I wasn't a vase to be in no club, so I'm just talking shit.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, none of us are old
0: enough, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I can't imagine people really. Bro, hey, you used to be doing the radio out here,
1: crazy though. that used to be on the radio. That was a radio song out here. Like, they used to really play that song. And how many of time they still they play like old songs, and sometimes that'll come up. Like, that's one of those songs that's like always been in rotation. Like. I always heard that song on the radio. I always remember hearing it, like, shiggum, shiggum, that nigga, all the time. I'm like, oh, shit, R-O-C. I'm like, oh, yeah, i fuck with the song. I like that song.
0: The perks of, of city love, because, man. Right. It's right. Not yeah. money, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back to what you were saying about Nas and Illmatic, and I think this is how we're going to land this one. Uh do you know uh the penalty of leadership?
1: The penalty of leadership what is that
0: It's a statement that uh Cadillac the car company put out like you know in day, back in the days. basically it's like this statement saying uh basically, when you do a great work, people are gonna hold you to the standard of that one great work and if you, yes. work, if you don't if you don't match it or go above it. They're going to say, you fell off. They're going to question, oh, like, like, kind of like how Jay-Z said, like, man, I give you some self-provoking shit, Yes, and is he falling off? I give you big Uh, when You say he the uh, best writer of the 21st uh, century.
1: (laughs) 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 What? Yeah.
0: It's like kind of like how Pete
1: got us.
0: You know, Illmatic, his very first release, it's like, man, they were grilling this dude on his reviews. It's like, Anything he puts out is like, man, you know we're gonna Yo nineteen ninety four.
1: Yo. All right. So Nas has had a lot of in my opinion, and this could be me being biased. I have bias because I love Nas, he's one of my favorite rappers, if not my favorite rapper of all time. Um, I always go back and forth between him and Jay Z, like those are my faves, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um I feel like Nas has gotten a lot of unfair criticism. And he is—it's been very harsh because of Illmatic. Yeah. And I always, I always, I've always said this for years. I've—I've been—I'm not used to hip hop debates. Uh, I know you haven't known me for that long, but I've been doing hip hop debates since I was fucking underage. Like I've always participated in hip hop debates and with people and friends online and shit like that. Like it's a pastime for me. Like. I kind of, I, kind of like, I kind of still do it, but like, you know, I, I can, I, my chops are still there. You know what I'm saying? I, can, I can bring up shit. So, <laughs> um, I feel like Nas has always gotten unfair criticism because of Illmatic, and it's a, it's a gift and a curse because he gets it from everyone: his fans, actual critics, people who aren't his fans, um, casual hip hop listeners and shit like that. Like, people just right. always hold them hold him to the standards of Illmatic and Illmatic you can argue is like the quintessential rap album you know like if you want to teach people about hip hop and shit like that if you want to bring them through the history oh listen to Illmatic it's one of the greatest albums of all time and especially one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time too like this is what you know like boom bap this is like pure lyricism and stuff like that like themes like this is like it it just gives hip hop you know Um, Mm -hmm. but I think I don't as much, in my, in my opinion, as much as I consider Illmatic like a perfect album, like it's a classic, I don't think it's his best. So, I don't think it's his best album because I think his lyricism has surpassed Illmatic. Like, if you still listen to like this is this is pretty advanced for 1994, and the shit he's saying and the production is every is is real timeless. It's real timeless, but he surpassed that. Mm-hmm. And again, like, like I was saying earlier, that's like that's too long ago that. The mindset that you're in when you make one body of work, you're not going to be able to catch that again. So
0: right.
1: he, was like, he, was, he was like a, like a 19, 20-year-old. I don't know if I'm correct. He was really young, and he was mad hungry. And this is the thing he's talking about in Queensbridge. Like the entire, the entire album is about themes of growing up in his life in Queensbridge. Um, he's not going to be able to tap that no more because past success, you get success from that album. Then you get It Was Written his most successful album today, I think, his best on albums today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's the album that kinda makes him like a superstar type shit. Like a star in hip hop, like really, really, really um, and then you come and then you put the you put the context in. This is New York hip hop at the time. He's competing with niggas from Wu, he he's competing with mm-hmm. Jay Z. He's competing with um Biggie. A bunch of niggas who have like different kind of artistry and artistry that is like people now seeing like, uh oh, now it's got competition. Not, not, he's not the king anymore. I don't think he was ever competing to be the king of New York, but right. he got dragged into it. He got dragged into it, and you know, New York niggas are very are, are very competitive. Like <laughs> niggas yeah. are very competitive. Like they also, I'm, I'm the king of this. I'm this and this. I'm this and that. So you put that context there. He's getting he's getting um, pressure to do a double this album, which should never be because Jay Z and Biggie are doing double this albums or did double this albums or whatever. Now he's getting that pressure to do shit like that. It's 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 just like, I feel like Nas is not given, it's not because he made Illmatic. Is not given, you know, like the the leeway that other artists could like could could um drop some wax shit. I feel like Jay Z could drop some wax shit and niggas gonna be on his back like how they be on Nas. Oh Nas production choices. <laughs> oh Nas song right here. The theme is this. Oh this nigga boring. Or oh, he think he think he's so he think he think he mad smarter than niggas. Oh, this nigga corny. All type like that. I was like, "Yo, bro, like Nas is Nas, Jay Z is Jay Z, Biggie is Big. Like Nas, right. Nas, is, you know what I'm saying? Like I feel like he has not been given leeway. And to this day, recently when it was the Illmatic, like um, the Illmatic, what you call um, anniversary, like 20 anniversary, like a few years ago,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: I think it was 2014. He had to. I th- I think it was 2014. I don't know. My fucking my my math you off my brain you off um is, he did he did the um the the anniversary 20 years he said after that he will not talk about Illmatic no more because people keep bringing up illmatic like your do <laughs> niggas are, it's like niggas is not always bringing up reasonable doubt to jv they're not they're not yeah
0: niggas people not do to, not like, speak about reasonable doubt at all <laughs>
1: It's, it's not, it Nas. Illmatic is a gift and a curse because it's one of the greatest rap albums of all time. But it's like niggas will refuse to let him live it down. Like even with even with like his old his fans his fan base. Oh, do Illmatic too? or get P right back? Or get Premier back? Or get all the people you had get Q said back? It's not gonna make another Illmatic. Right. It's, him bringing the people on board is not gonna make another Illmatic, and. As much as people be to no Hip Boy online, I didn't, again, Twitter introduced me to Hip Boy hate. I didn't know all these all these hip-hop enthusiasts and these hip-hop, like, super fans that didn't really like Hip Boy's, Boy's production. I'm not mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say anything, but, like, I'm a Hip Boy fan, but I think him and Hip Boy have a good chemistry that has been able to, like, get Nas a second wind because yeah. with the King Disease 1 and King Disease 2 and even Magic, I think Magic is better than KD1 and KD2. Imagine he sounds young again. He sounds like we energized. Like he has, he's having like a, a second run of songs in his career. And I think people need to like appreciate artists who are aging, hip hop artists, especially who are aging, because this is like a, obviously hip hop is like the newest, not the newest, the youngest genre. So to have people who like are aging and are aging in hip hop and able to still make music, that's showing that's showing that you can have longevity. That you can age as an artist and still rap. You know, rap is always seen as young man's a young man's genre. You know, so. I think Nas he's had his duds as well. Um I feel like I feel like if you've been in this game long enough you're gonna have your duds. Like um Master was like not it in my opinion. Like I, I'm I'm it's it's true. It's not a great album. Um it's not a great album, you know. But I don't think I don't think it's as I don't think it's as garbage as people make it see, but it's not a good album. No, um, it's pretty garbage. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I think there's some salvageable moments on it. There's moments on it, but overall, it's not a good album. Mm-hmm. But he's redeemed himself several times. Godson, stillmatic, the lost case with those with, with the with the unreleased song that's supposed to be like on IM and shit like that. Like mm-hmm. he's redeemed himself several times. He's been able to make like he's been able to gradually continue to make good albums, and he's been he. I feel like he his albums. Like the like the does he replenished it with KD one, KD two, and Magic like it's like it's it's, it's pretty balanced now. His discography is pretty balanced in my opinion.
0: And, like honestly, I don't think he's dropped a trash album since Hip Hop Is Dead, which is my favorite Nas album.
1: I love that album. I love that album. But the end, the end album was kind of whack. The one I supposed to be nigger.
0: Oh, I forgot about. That. I don't even think I ever it's heard it.
1: It's not that good. It's not that good. I think <laughs> that was so towards the, end, the 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 tail end of his marriage with Khalees and shit like that and um he also got something else in between the Street Disciple which is, has moments too. Not the greatest album, not the wackest. Um Oh that's that, that's that one was, of them blue stories was, right there.
0: Too many songs.
1: Yeah, that was the that was a marriage album when he was getting married to Khalees. Um yeah, like it, one of those albums like it could have been chopped down, you know? But I yeah. think that Nas has a, has a has a pretty consistent discography now. I think he's aging and still making good music. And I think people need to get the fuck off his doctor that Illmatic shit because I, I know I'll be telling people, suck my dick like any moment. Like, yo, get off my dick, like, please. I'm not, I'm, like, he's not making another Illmatic, and it's not fair to hold him to, like, standards that other people don't hold other rappers to that are considered great. Because, again, niggas not asking Jay-Z to make another Blueprint. Nobody asking Jay-Z to make another Blueprint or shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not right. It's not right. <laughs>
0: Well, actually, when he dropped Kingdom Come, I was kind of like, man, we need another reasonable doubt that he did American Gangster. And I was like, you know what? Close enough, bro. Close enough. Yeah.
1: American Gangster was fire. It still is fire. I'm not sure it was, but like, yeah, that was a good-ass drop after Kingdom Come. Like, Okay. He still got it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he needed some inspiration. He saw that movie. He was like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I mean, I I didn't think the movie was that great. I've seen it like twice. It's too long for me.
1: Yeah, I think I saw like once and I haven't watched it again. When I was younger, I didn't have the attention span for movies, so yeah. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, so, uh, if you, if you got anything else to say, I think this is a, a good place to cap off the episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank you for having me. Um, check out no Um say that's making your grind again on Instagram. Um I've merged again. So yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm a, I'm gonna link you uh it's gonna be in the description so you're gonna be able to click on it and whatnot, you know what I'm saying and just go straight there.
1: Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs>
0: well I appreciate you coming on the show today. I appreciate your time and stay on that mission. It's very important work.
1: We'll do, will do.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another entry of Lavender Water Podcast. I have been your host, Matthew Waves, and this has been my special guest, Karen Garcia. Yes, yes. Y'all take it easy out there in TV land. Peace.